You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 116, covering I, Borg, and The Next Phase, with Mark Bosco. Hi, friends. Hey, everybody. Our pal Bob is here to join us for possibly the best lineup of episodes we've ever done. Yeah, this, it's been, uh, this is, it was a nice little combination of two episodes, which were good. Yep. Hello. And, hello. Hi, Bob. Hi. That was your second or third to weakest opening ever. Why don't oh, give us some bravado there? Give us some, you know. Hello. There you go. Is you ready for some foot uh, space no. balls? Space ball? Sure. Space ball the flamethrower? Yes. Space ball the flamethrower. <laughs> like like Conan the Destroyer only. Is that a Marvel character? Probably. God, it is. if only. They'll get to his movie in 2019. Yep. All right, so, yes, like I said, I, I know a few seasons ago I said that Yesterday's Enterprise and, and uh, The Offspring are our best two episodes ever, but I don't know, this this might Words be Words spoken by a man who was not aware of what was to come. Well, I knew these episodes were here, I just didn't realize they were back-to-back like this. Yeah. And exactly. They are. they are, and they're great. They but are. Yes. Plus, there are a couple episodes that focus on Geordi. That can't be a coincidence. Nope. <laughs> So, Matt. you got to focus on me or I'm going to quit. Is that your Jordy? No. You got to You got to do this. I mean, you know, I I can't do <laughs> and it either. Look but... at the ceiling. LaForge to bridge. There's I need more lines with the engineering. There you go. All right, Matt. I can't see. Matt. <laughs> focus. You can't focus without eyes. All right. <laughs> at least he's not doing the Armist voice. It's true. All right, Matt. Why don't you tell us about Iborg? All right, I will tell you about Iborg. Do it. I dare you. Okay. You're not. So the Enterprise is investigating a crashed box, assuming that Doctor Who crossover they've been waiting for has finally happened, only to find instead a gaggle of dead Borg all lying hither and yon. Bever finds an alive one and mistakes it for Wesley and then imprints upon it, demanding Picard let her keep it in a shoebox in the garage until its wing is fixed. <laughs> Picard agrees and then orders Jordy to put a bell on it and then figure out if they can use it to take out all the Borg ever, using technology. Unfortunately, Jordy and Bever fall in love with the Borg and name it Hugh because they're not good at naming things. <laughs> Guinan seethes in ten forward and searches for a fork to stab Hugh with, but then she has a conversation with him instead and discovers that we're not so different, you and I. Guinan tells Picard not to use Hugh as a weapon, and Picard yells at a black woman about Borg in his quarters for the first time. His little <laughs> ships survived this one. Picard asks Hugh if he wants to return to the Collective, and Hugh says no, he'd rather stay with Jordy, leaving Jordy to wonder if perhaps Worf's parents would be interested in their own Borg. Eventually, Hugh decides that Jordy will, will not be safe until Hugh returns to the Collective, and the Enterprise returns him to the crash site to be picked up by his Borg bros, where none of them will be any trouble at all ever. That was... all right. <laughs> you didn't do the triple thing right. It was all wrong. It's all out of order. It's it's different. I know. You switched it up. I did. You switched your pitch up. Mm. I did. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. <laughs> Fix it in editing. Damn it. I, no. <laughs> I'm going to stand back and be amazed. <laughs> well, he is a pro. This I is am. this is the 116th time we've done this. I've been doing post-atomic horror longer than almost anyone. Yep. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> uh, 
At least you're not using the uh, Star Trek cliche, I've been doing the post-atomic horror since your grandfather was in diapers. That no, I've been is... doing the post-atomic horror since your son burned hot in the sky. <laughs> I don't have a son. My son well, is burning? Oh, oh my no. god. Go, well, go get a son. <laughs> Poor Duncan. <laughs> uh, so, Bob, why not you? Tell me your good thing. Um, Why not me? Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I put you in the list first. I don't know why. It's arbitrary. Oh. It's uh, it's because my name comes first alphabetically. No, obviously. my name comes first alphabetically. Oh no, my name comes first. But your real name? My Wait, real name is Al. No, that okay. <laughs> Say your I had good to thing, take Bob. a sip of something. Right. <clears throat> uh, my good thing is the Locutus interrogation. I mean, the the moment that uh, he brings uh, Picard brings Hugh into his ready room and. Uh, Hugh recognizes him as Locutus, mm-hmm. and he just like, t- you know, riffs right off on that and decides to use that to his advantage in interrogating him. And it's just an amazing scene. It really, I love the way Stuart. I mean, we do this every week. I sure love Patrick Stewart. He's a great actor. He surely is. <laughs> he, but, he sure do. Really, the the way he plays all of this, he gets really stiff. Like they say the word Borg, and he just gets this. Oh God. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen them since uh, Best of Both Worlds. Correct. and Which is good. Every time mm. anyone says Borg or mentions it, he just gets really uncomfortable, but in a way that's not overplaying it. And just, yeah, yeah, that scene is just the sort of culmination of, fine, you're here. Everyone thinks you're worth talking to. What's your deal, man? Mm-hmm. And then I love him trying to draw him out. It's like, yep. yeah, we're. I, all I want you to say is that you're going to kill everyone on this crew. Yep. I want you to say it. So that we can get this over with and I yes. can be done with you. I don't have to think about you as right. anything other than a problem I can solve really easily. Please yep. justify what I want to do to you. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we're going to kill Jordy. What are you going to do about it? Nothing, right? I don't want you to kill Jordy. Shit. I love how <laughs> attached he gets to Jordy specifically. Yeah. Yep. It's not like he wants to save the Enterprise. He just wants to save Jordy, his friend. Yeah, his friend He's Jordy. just a cyborg magnet. Yep. He loves holograms, data, and the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> that's if he's doing his match.com profile those are the things that he's interested in likes holograms robots oh work and, and that engineer dislikes check. being caught making out with holograms <laughs> and leah brahms who was a hologram that's what i'm saying yes right okay but yep. he liked Turn the real on. leah brahms too well he hoped he would oh but that he didn't you see he did at the end well okay no she yeah yeah, I think Turn that's on right. Hawaiian Adventure. I, I didn't mean to derail your entire narrative. Please no, go no, on. No, no, no. There was none. <laughs> you're, you're right. That scene was great. Mm-hmm. Yes. My notes for this episode are a series of this scene is great. This scene is great. I finally stopped because literally every scene is great. It's mm. just excellent. They do pairings of all these different characters and all their relations to each other. The thing is, I always think of this as sort of a Guinan and Picard episode. I forgot how big a part Geordi was. Yeah, yeah, Jordy's a huge part and of this. Gaina's not that big a part. No, I I think I remember it that way because she's always in the background. She's always the one people come to when they have problems. And this is the first right. time you see her angry. Yeah, this is a real episode about her. Right. I mean, it's about which, a bunch of people. It's about a bunch of people, but it's about, like, you know, she's one of the people it's about. Well, and I think we have so much invested in her and her history with the Borg that her coming around was a big deal. Yeah. Like, Oh, maybe there is something to this if she's, you know, starting well, to... Well, the thing is, as a character, she doesn't usually affect, like, you know, she 
she's a part of like what other characters are doing. No, she doesn't always, usually get her own stories. She's always the one that someone comes to when they need a nudge in the right direction, and then they, <laughs> they go need on a Troy way. substitute, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> because Troy's terrible. Yes. Yes. Yeah, she is. She was especially terrible in this. Uh, well, she wasn't that terrible. At least she tried to do her job. Well, Matt, why don't you talk about that? I see that you have that down as uh, as one of your things. Is it your good thing or your bad thing? It is my bad thing. <laughs> shocking, no one. <laughs> well, let's let's discuss that since Bob seems to think it wasn't terrible, and you do. Why, why don't there, you two there's fight? This scene, there's this scene where um <laughs> where she comes into uh to see Picard after they've taken Hugh onto the ship and she's like, Captain, is there anything you'd like to talk about? And he's like, nope. Nope. Go well, away. Well, I just think that maybe you should because, you know, there's a Borg on the ship and I don't know if you remember or not, but a while ago you kind of got kidnapped by the Borg and turned into one. No, I remember. Nope, not don't, ringing any bells. I'm fine. Not, don't really want to talk. I don't know if you noticed or not, uh, Deanna, but uh, Guinan's in this episode. <laughs> So I don't need to talk to you. I think that was her only scene, too, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And there's a scene right at the beginning where she has this terrible flat read of, uh, you said, he's like, are you sensing anything? She's like, fear. Mm, nope. Uh, but something. No, like, no. Mm. When, uh, oh, wait, I'm thinking of the other episode. Never mind. <laughs> I did. I, I was as well. And I had to stop myself. <laughs> Um, no, I, I, but I, I was amused that it looked like, well, Picard walks off the bridge after they realize it's a Borg, mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and it seems that Data is the only person on the bridge who is concerned, and he kind of turns to Deanna as if to say, uh, aren't you going to do your job? Yeah, this is human stuff. Why don't you take <laughs> care of this? Uh, isn't that your cue? Oh, shit, you're right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Captain! Well, and that's but, the kind of thing I was talking about, where Picard really stiffens and he's like, I don't want anyone to see this. And he goes off in his ready room, and she tries to bug him, and he's like, Nope, fine, go away, please. Busy. Right. And then she sign on the door. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> but at least she tried. She did. I think the point of that scene was to draw him out to give him something to react to. But you know, mm-hmm. well, and it's also it also shows why he doesn't want anything to do with right. But it's like he he never wants to go see it or anything. It's nice to see that he's still carrying that with him. Yeah, I felt like. In first contact, they just kind of said, oh, look, he's still having nightmares about it. Really? Because I think this is the only time they even mention it. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that he should, like, this is a thing that should be affected, that should affect him for years. Well, we've talked about that with a lot of people's trauma, and it rarely yeah. comes up. The thing is that, like, after this, it never really comes back until first contact, right. and then they make a huge deal out of it. And it felt like they kind of pulled that out of their ass just to make yeah. the story work. Yeah. But at least here, it's like, he sees them again. It's like, oh, shit, these guys. Right. Oh God, here comes this guy. Again. I don't know. I I kind of think in in the sense that the writers seem to really want to encapsulate each episode, and it's any anything small that's part of the continuity. I think in a way is a victory. So well, I can't yeah, fault them I mean, too much for not no. being this big, you know, huge no, continuity was, show like they do now. Because that was just the not the style of TV then. at the time. Yeah. No, I understand that, but it's when you're going to do a movie about this guy's been carrying this baggage around, and we've seen no evidence of that. Right. You know. Yeah, trust me, he just doesn't talk about it a lot. Yeah, that's that's fine. Yep. Uh, so, I don't know. We did Bob's good thing, Matt's bad thing. We we just completely don't do this the right way anymore. <laughs> nope. When we get to our live show, we're not even like, ah, uh, thing. Matt, do thing. I think, I think we need to put Amanda on trial for crimes against podcasts. Yeah, I think that's about right. <laughs> We need to get the big Q hat. Yep. And robes and so the forth. The flying chair. Right. Definitely the flying chair. I would uh, I would definitely dress up as Q for the con if I could get a flying chair. 
That would be pretty awesome. I, but then you need a dwarf ringing a bell. Mm-hmm. That's that's essential. We could probably get him a dwarf ringing a bell. Well, it okay. is a Comic Con. Mm-hmm. That probably just wandered. Hey, you dwarf of the bell, come over here. <laughs> we need you for a minute. Ding 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 ding. Thank you. No, it's like a big cowbell. <laughs> You've got the wrong bell, buddy. Oh man, you want that dwarf over there with the other bell. <laughs> Dong. What do you think? We all look alike. <laughs> oh man. Uh, Wait a minute. It's a good thing that, that Emerald City was set at the exact same time as the uh, Dwarf with Bell Coalition. <laughs> well, this is awkward. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, what the hell? I'll do my good thing. You okay. do that. How about that? Fucking hell. That's that's what it says here. Where do we even begin? This one's like... Wait, this my... is your good thing? Yes. Just give me, give me... I'm building to this. Oh, okay. Boy, I'm yelling at you guys a lot. <laughs> What's up Everyone's with on edge tonight. I, either I'm worked up or you guys are pissing me off or I don't know. Too much coffee? No, I think it's that I'm I'm not usually sitting in front of the uh, the program that I used to record with Audacity and mm. I can watch my waveform and I like how it looks <laughs> yeah. when I yell. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> it's not you guys. I love you guys. Um, Hang on. I'm trying to spell things in the waveforms. <laughs> the best thing is blip, 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 blip. <laughs> and here comes an airplane to fuck it all up. <laughs> no, we're going to warp. That's what it is. Oh. Uh -huh. That's not until the next Miami episode. Beach. Right. Um, so this episode is in my top five, maybe like my top three, maybe even my top one. Wow. Seriously, I, I, it's so quintessentially Star Trek. This, yep. this is like Gene's vision done properly. This is like the enemy is us. And he's not so different than us. And there's no direct conflict. Like, there's no fighting. Mm. It's just characters and interesting drama and exploring, you know, sort of the human condition through someone who's similar to us but different. It's very mm -hmm. what Gene wanted, only not terrible. Yeah. Yes. And I'm convinced that that kind of thing can be done well. It was done well in Darmok and it was done well here. And, but my real good thing. Like, this is just overall, I love this episode. That doesn't really yeah. count because it's not a detail. It's just, I love this episode. Yeah. My real good thing? Mm. Brace yourselves. First Bracing. time. Beverly. What? What? Yep. Dr. Beverly M. Crusher. I assume the M means <laughs> Beverly mom. Beverly Bever Crusher. Yes. <laughs> I, as a doctor, her perspective makes total sense. We got to mm. help this guy. We can't just leave him to die. Um, you get a bit of the mom vibe because Hugh is a bit young, but it's not mm -hmm. this overwhelming my baby thing. It's just, you know, she's got this compassionate side of her and she wants to help this kid. And it's yeah. it's good. Yeah. She takes the same position that Bones would have taken, but mm -hmm. she brings a little bit of femininity to it, but not in a bad way. Mm. Uh, writers, pay attention. This is how you write Beverly for the love of fuck. Yeah, she she was great in this. She was great. And I think this episode had one of the best uh, conference room scenes mm -hmm. where you yeah. really get what that scenes, what those scenes are supposed to be about, which is everyone bringing a little bit of a different perspective, weighing in on the different sides and trying to figure out a problem instead of just, I want to shoot it. No, we can't. All right. <laughs> but I want to. That's usually how they unfold. Right. But instead, you got Beverly, you know, arguing for compassion. You got Picard saying, no, we have to kill it. And then we yeah, have... And, I, and making good points is like, you yeah. realize yeah. we're going to provide genocide. We're going to commit genocide on these people. Yeah, but, That's the plan here. But they're the Borg. It's fine. No, it's not fine. Like, it, right. I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah. And I, But then you got, like, Jordy and Data in the middle. Like, well, 
if you guys want to do that, we can do that. Like, mm-hmm. they don't really take a position. It's it's right. just nice to see, you know. Yeah, and it's all people on the same side of things. Like you're saying, it's not kind of that overreacting that Worf does sometimes about, right. you yeah. know. I just, I want to go to war and everybody else wants to be reasonable. No, everybody's being reasonable, but they're still coming at it from different angles. And right, yeah. No, and I think Beverly, like, again, she's compassionate, but she's not that way that they often write her. Mm-hmm. She's just, I want to see more of this Beverly. I like mm-hmm. Again, she's got that bone stick. She's got that, you know, damn it, don't just blow something up. We got to help people. And it's nice. I like it. A lot of, like, the 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 attitude everyone sort of takes towards Hugh by the end of this episode, it feels really earned to me. Yep. Mm. Like, we take, like, like I said, last time we saw these guys was at uh, Best of Both Worlds. Mm-hmm. And then they were the scariest fucking thing in Star Trek ever. Yeah, we ever. just barely managed to blow them up, and who knows, they could come back with a whole fleet. We never know. Right. Yeah. And so instead of doing like a sequel to that with like another big epic showdown thing, we have this really personal story about this one kind of sad Borg yep. who came in from the cold. <laughs> <laughs> I think the real turning point emotionally, like a few characters won over, but when Guinan gets won over, yeah. you know everything sort of has changed. Because yeah. Well, and the great thing about her is that like because we've never seen her this upset about anything. Right. Like, the weight is just there so quick, quickly. Like, you know how, how important this is to her. Yep. And when he can, like, you know, when he can talk her around, that's that's a huge thing. And that scene, I was watching that scene unfolded in about two minutes. Mm-hmm. Where she goes in hating him, and by the end, mm-hmm. she's like, wait, what? And that was some tight fucking scripting there. Like, that could have yep. been a whole act, but they just move things right along. There's a lot that happens in this episode, and it never feels rushed. No. Like, you got a lot of characters going through some pretty complex emotional arcs, and it all just ties together really nicely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Bob, your bad thing. Uh, I don't know. It's just, it's so, so good. Um, Maybe the little hologram thing on Hugh's eyepiece, that doesn't age very well. <laughs> it looked a bit like a Cracker Jack fry. <laughs> yeah. I liked it. It looked, made him look like a visionary. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. Um, I did watch out. He's unleashing the power of the Puma. <laughs> I liked the weird way they were going to kill the Borg, mm-hmm. which is with speaking of hologram, because that thing was like a hollow with a with a magic with, eye picture. Yes. Yes. With a magic <laughs> eye picture that that like you couldn't analyze from different. I don't know. I, I didn't quite understand it, but I understood it like on a basic level. It was it was something that like they would show it to Hugh. It was like mm. a computer generated shape that didn't make sense, right. and yeah, so and he, he would... would store it and like for later processing and upload it to the rest of the Borg, who would all go like, "Oh, what the fuck!" And then they blow up or something. Yeah, you, I guess. Yeah. I don't you know. keep <laughs> unfolding it and looking at it from different angles, and it's like a paradox. What I want to know is they they go through all this and they tell us, you know, this would cause a thing, and then they'd un, mm. you know they they'd go through all these things. Well, how did Data look at it then? Like, because he was designing it. He knew it was oh, okay. n- not supposed yeah, to be something I, I that made sense. I see. No, he was talking- I, just, I just love the idea that the plan to defeat the Borg is basically uh, putting it to them. Yeah, giving them a virus. Kirk style. I put it to you, this shape. <laughs> That's true. I didn't get what you were saying for a sec there, Matt, but yeah, absolutely. I, I like this better than the stupid resolution to Best of Both Worlds, which is put them to yeah. sleep. Giving them a virus is much cooler. Mm-hmm. And giving them a sort of 
weird 24th century, you know, mind puzzle virus instead of just something that eats away at them is even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. Like, it's interesting and it makes sense. It, and it, like, it plays off of that sort of computer mindset where it's just like, we got to fix this and we don't know what it is. And it just, oh, my, oh, yeah. yeah. And while, <laughs> wait, what was that? <laughs> okay. How'd... That's the sound of a computer dying. Oh, well, you would know that sound quite well. So I'm going to defer to you on that one. Oh, <laughs> Matt has this breaking aura. <laughs> If he comes within 50 feet of a computer, like... And technology does not work well around him. aura of breaking? Yeah. Hmm? It's it's not good. Sometimes he rolls nice. a, I don't know, breaking dice. <laughs> I tried to start up my computer and it was all like... Yeah. Uh, oh, so it looks like two people have the same good thing. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> you guys came to the party wearing the same dress. Don't you feel awkward? Especially since you're wearing dresses. It's a fantastic dress. <laughs> it is. And you both look great in it. But, yep. Matt, I'm yeah. going to have to ask you to pick a different good thing. I need mine taken right. in a little. Why don't you consi- Why don't you ponder that while I... No, I will oh. fucking then I will use the uh, my quote. Very well. The, the scene where Guinan uh, convinces Picard that he shouldn't kill Hugh is just awesome. If you're going to use this person... It's not a person, damn it, it's a Borg! If you are going to use this person to destroy his race, you should at least look him in the eye once before you do it. Because I am not sure he is still a Borg. Because it's been given a name by a member of my crew doesn't mean it's not a Borg. Because it's young doesn't mean that it's innocent. It is what it is. And in spite of efforts to turn it into some kind of pet, I will not alter my plans. Fine. But if you don't talk to him at least once, you may find that decision a lot harder to live with than you realize. Yes, it is. Like, you know, it's that whole turnaround thing again. It, it is. And I like, like, first Geordi comes around, mm-hmm. then Guinan comes around, then Picard, you know, like, it's a gradual... It's making its way up the ship. Right. <laughs> From engineer to bartender to captain. That's the chain of command. I also don't think... <laughs> Anyone else could just sort of invite themselves into Picard's quarters at bedtime. Nope. <laughs> Maybe Beverly. No, Beverly shows up for morning tea. Morning. Morning time. Yeah. It's not the morning, Beverly. I morning don't know why come back tomorrow. I think when he's in his gym jams and ready to read a book or whatever, I think Guinan's pretty much the only one. Who, yes, come on in. Hey, how's it going? Yeah. Oh. You want me to put some pants? You know what? Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> You're here to talk about that thing, huh? Well, never mind. <laughs> I like... I like the gra- just the gradual subtle stuff. Like, they call him it for a while, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. gradually each one of them starts calling him him. Yep. Right. And just li- little. That was great. Like that. And it was a nice throwback to uh, Measure of a Man. Yeah, it was. I mm. also love the title of this episode, which is first of all I, which you know, addresses Hugh addressing himself as I. Mm-hmm. Right. But then also like it's a nice homage to uh, I Robot. Yes. It's just yep. a nice, I thought, clever title. And there is a, also a B movie called Iborg with E Y E Borg, all is one word, and that's really, really terrible, and you should avoid it like the plague. Is that a is that that movie about giant ants that you keep talking about? No, no, that's them. Isn't that them? Oh yes, <laughs> but it's them with an exclamation point, right? No, this is yes, like it's them. It's supposed to be a horror movie, but it's starring the like eyes on stalks from Johnny Quest. Ooh. <laughs> 
<laughs> but it's really, really, really beyond bad. It's a walking eye, Bob. <laughs> exactly. A walking eye. Walking eye. Walking eye. All right. So my bad thing is, first of all, the airplane going overhead. But that's always my bad thing. What a bad thing that <laughs> is. It's a bad, bad thing. Okay. And Matt briefly touched on this in his synopsis. Uh, the scene where Jordy names the kid Hugh is really clumsy and a total stretch. Yep. Mm. For, for such a great episode, they could have tried just a little harder on a detail that's pretty important. I'm what? Bever, and he's Jordy, and, and Hugh, Hugh are... He, no, Hugh. That's it. Hugh. What? What? Call him Hugh. Look, I don't have time for this, okay? Yeah. Hugh. <laughs> I'm not a good namer. We can't think of names. My first dog's name was Fido, and my second dog's name was Fido 2. <laughs> the new batch? Yes. My third dog's name was Rover. After that, I started to wonder why my dogs were dying so quickly. <laughs> God damn, dead dog. <laughs> then we moved off the planet that ate dogs. <laughs> That was the best day ever. <laughs> where, Jordy's childhood was a strange place. Where it was no dog at all. <laughs> um, what? Oh, the uh, the dude who wrote this, and I, I really need to learn how to say this guy's name because he's going to be around a lot. Rene yeah. Echeverevaria. Rene Abajois. Yes. No, that's a different Rene. This, <laughs> this guy will also be on Deep Space Nine, though. He's one of the main guys like uh, Ron Moore and a few other guys. Oh, good. Mm. And he, well, he does good work. Really has a handle in character stuff. Like I said, this is just a big character piece. Mm -hmm. There's some which cool are the best episodes. Yes, which yeah, they always are. Um, what else? Well, this week we actually explored new worlds and new civilizations. That's true. They were actually going to a new place, and that was what, pretty cool. Look what they found. Yep, <laughs> we won't be doing that again. That's why they're scared to explore strange new worlds because <laughs> there's scary stuff there. Let's yep. go back to Cowboy Planet. Yes. See, I wouldn't, like, well, yes, it would bother me. But I think it would be fun for them to go to Roman Planet or Cowboy Planet. I mean, they did go to Gangster Planet that one time, or Hotel Royale Planet, anyway. Or yep. Earth Planet. Hotel Planet. Or Earth, yeah, they go back to Earth Planet every other week, though. Yeah. Um, I love the fencing scene between uh, Picard and Guinan earlier in the episode. Oh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where she's talking about, why did you bring it on board? And they're fencing. And Picard, like, jabs her with the sword. And she goes, ah! And then he moves in. Are you okay? And then she stabs him with the sword. She's like, see? You, you let your guard down for a second with me and yep. see what happened. You felt yep. sorry for me. Yep. That's a, that's a nice Guinan, like, you know. Usually she's more subtle leading you to the answer. But it still felt very Guinan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Plus, I totally buy that they fence. Is that what they're calling it now? <laughs> yes. Oh, I buy that, too. Oh yeah, I think I think they got some kind of thing going, but I don't know. Why. <laughs> That's why he wasn't surprised when she came by his quarters. Right. <laughs> Hi there. Listen, a man has needs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's uh, there's the bit where Jordy's then trying to convince Guinan, hey, it's you know he's Hugh, he's cool, it's all right, and uh, she's like, I don't have anything to say to that thing. And he's, why don't you just listen? That's what you're supposed to be good at. Like, ooh, <laughs> got, ouch, got one in at her. She's like that's that's hard. Ooh. Yeah. Low You're the person low. we talk to on this ship, yep. not Troy. Well. You know, a burn that bad, it means his picture ends up on the wall in 10 forward. <laughs> There's only like three people up there. Do not serve. Yep. O'Brien's must be up there because he hasn't been around for a while. Yep. It's him, Chief O'Brien, and Sideshow Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Sideshow Bob knows what he did. <laughs> no, this, uh, this is German for the Picard, the... Mm. <laughs> 
Also, the only other note of significance I have here is uh, when Hugh says, are you ever lonely? And, well, I am Jordy. <laughs> <laughs> you get used to it. Yeah. Yeah, but that leads to that like whole explaining, you know, that there are people around and they are friends and what friends are. Well, and yeah. he was like, oh, friends like Jordy and Hugh. And there's this Aww. moment of very, very uncomfortable silence. Yes, we're yes, friends. like that. <laughs> Don't ask me to move or take you to the airport, but sure, <laughs> we're friends. <laughs> Meanwhile, Data's practicing jealousy. <laughs> the fuck, Jordy? Come on. I love the kid that played Hugh. Yep. He was so oh, yeah. good because he, first of all, he played the sort of Borg general, not so much menace as just sort of blank stare kind of, you yep. know. But then as he gradually becomes more of an individual, he's got some great face acting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is, oh, they're, they're talking about, uh, we're going to have, like, he's doing too well on these tests. we got to take out his eye. And very briefly, he gets this look of sort of horror on his face. Mm. And then he fades back to normal. And it's like, like he realizes they're talking about him and they're going to do something unpleasant. Just little stuff like that. It's, he's really good. Yep. Yeah, I, I really like the way he sort of, like... From the, like from the beginning of the episode, you have very, you have him very gradually going from you know the you'll be assimilated, yeah. blah 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 thing to to you know becoming a person. I like the I like the idea of once you get a Borg away from the collective, sort of what's left over, right? And what he becomes, and sort of what he starts like like he almost instantly starts finding new people to be like, almost. Yep. No, and there was a lot mm. of mimicking other people's dialogue. Yeah, and I, I love the idea of, like, a drone from the collective sort of almost trying to fit in with the new people that are around him. Well, like, right, Beverly first says, so what you're saying is you're lonely. And then when he's talking to Guinan later, he says the exact same thing. Yeah. And there's another point, I don't remember exactly what the line was, but he says it to Picard. I think Jordy had said it before. Mm. So it might not even be he thinks that. Yeah. It's just that he's heard someone say that. But it's it's really interesting. Yeah, I love when he explains how there are other voices and that's comforting. And for the first time, you kind of see, maybe not the appeal of being a Borg, but it, you kind of see it from their perspective. It sounds like, yeah. you know, here there are no voices. How how do you sleep? I just And I love, I love just him like, well, why would you not want to be assimilated? Yeah. We don't want to be assimilated. Why? It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> There are voices. It's great. Yeah. You just, you know. Yep. You're part of a thing. It's great. Yep. And then I love the whole idea that him being an individual is sort of a virus in itself. Yeah. They send him back and uh, and that could infect him. Although I wonder if they all then become Hugh. Yeah. They run into them <laughs> next time. We are the Hugh. Yes. There's a, there's a Borg cube just chasing the Enterprise. We are Jordy's friend. We are Jordy's <laughs> friend. Uh, Jordy. <laughs> There's several thousand Borg out here who would like to see you. <laughs> does that does that ever lead anywhere in the? I yes. can't remember in the later Borg episodes uh, if that. Yeah, it comes up in uh, Lore's magic asshole. Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna pretend that didn't happen. Oh, okay. Yeah, we actually. But see... then never again, which is kind of sad, actually. I we wonder actually... if that is the. I mean, if that is the start of the Borg Queen from that point if they like kind of take that individualism and say oh well maybe we should have one person like that maybe that would be useful no. i was actually thinking about that when i was watching it yesterday no because they do a flashback with locutus and she was around then yeah oh, well, that's, that's the bullshit. only problem there yeah. and she says she's been around for like thousands of years or yeah. something uh, okay yeah because you know they're always been a collective with no individual except that one individual 
Mm-hmm. I think because it's a movie and they have to give you, you know. There's got to be a bad guy. Yeah, there's got to be a face. There's got to be something to shoot at. Mm. <laughs> there has to be someone for Picard to punch. Well, right. <laughs> you wouldn't hit a girl, would you? Yes, I would. It's all right. You don't have a spine. <laughs> I'm action Picard now. <laughs> <laughs> action Picard comes with everything you see here. Your parents put me together. <laughs> I'm Captain Picard. Action Picard does not come with the uh, Action Picard doomed, doomed buggy. Good. <laughs> Fucking doomed buggy. Uh, all right. Any further business? It's time to press Push forward. the button on my back no. and I sing from the HMS pinafore. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, anything further about this episode? Oh, I do I do love there's a scene where uh where Jordy's working on on Hugh and Hugh goes, You will be assimilated. And Jordy goes, Yes, but before that happens <laughs> oh, we get a we get a bit of sarcastic Jordy again. Mm-hmm. Which we haven't seen for a long time. He's been down in engineering or he talks to data. We don't see him interacting with outsiders much anymore. No. And it was nice to see sort of that early season one, you know, like making the wise cracks. If you could see behind the visor, he'd be rolling his eyes, like that kind of thing. Uh-huh. And he, that's his early, yeah, yeah, I'll be assimilated, whatever. Uh-huh. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Bob, any final thoughts? Mm, nope. Very well. I like it. Oh, there's a scene, during the scene when Guinan's talking to Picard, she has some gook in her eye. Uh-huh. And it drove me crazy. <laughs> wow. It's in there for the entire scene. Are you watching on the Blu-ray? No, I was just watching on my TV. Just, I'm like, what the hell is that? Just wait till you watch on the Blu-ray. It'll bug you 50 times more. <laughs> yep. Wow, well, you can really see that gook in detail. Yes. Or maybe they'll clean it up. Like they, you know, they clean up the mat lines. They clean up the gook. Yep. <clears throat> Could be. All right. Pressing forward to the episode called Not Just Cloaked Faced or... Whatever the hell it's actually called, I don't even know. Cloaked clone clowns? Uh, <laughs> Bob, summary me. All right. The Enterprise catches up with a Romulan ship in distress, and Riker, Roe, and Geordi transport over to help. Something's wrong with their engine core, and Roe and Geordi try to transport back to the Enterprise with a hunk of it for repairs, but the transporter operator just up and loses them. This never would have happened if Chief O'Brien were still alive. May he rest in peace. (laughs) Everyone is slightly sad for a moment, and then they deal with the fact that the Romulan ship is still going to blow up. A nice little action sequence later, and the Romulan's orb car is ejected out into space, where it'll be no triple at all. See, Matt, that's how you do that. (laughs) Oh, shut up, Matt. (laughs) Meanwhile, Ro wakes up, lying on the floor in the hallway, back on the Enterprise. She does the walk of shame to sickbay, but the doors won't open for her, and everyone ignores her, even Bever and Jean-Luc, who just happened to be discussing Ro and Jordy's... You know, I'm going to be saying this a lot, so let's just call them Rorty. They're discussing Rorty's death certificates until Picard walks right through her. In fact, Roe can pass freely through anyone and anything on the ship, except for the floor, which I assume has some sort of anti-ghost containment grid technology. Data starts planning Geordi's memorial service while Geordi is wandering around engineering, making funny faces at people, and ghost-pinching everyone's ass. He discovers Roe, and she explains to Geordi that they're dead. Jordy, being a man of science, is having none of it. There must be an explanation. Jordy convinces Roe to go over on a shuttle to the Romulan ship to investigate chroniton particles that seem to be the key to this whole thing, and they discover that the Romulans are experimenting with a cloaking device that also phases the ship so that it can pass right through normal matter. So that's what happened to Rorty, and the mysterious Romulan who follows them back to the Enterprise. The Romulan 
doesn't really do much except give them a phased phaser and Jordi kicks him out into space. But other Romulans have plotted to make the Enterprise's engines blow up as soon as they go to warp. Data says that they need to clear the ship of all chroniton fields before they go to warp, so Rorty run around the ship, passing through tables and walls, creating as many chroniton fields as possible for Data to play whack-a-mole with. <laughs> then in 10 forward, they shoot everyone with phased Gatling guns and blow up the entire memorial service with phased Sherman tanks <laughs> until Data realizes <laughs> something is up and returns them to normal, just in time for Jordy to turn off the engines. And in a cute little coda scene, Jordy eats all of the leftovers, and Ro laments that she wasn't really dead. And then finally, for maybe the first time ever on TNG, the episode ends with a laugh on the bridge. Well, in 10 forward. I'm going to have to call a foul on that one, which is a sports reference, by the way. No! <laughs> which is easy, by the way. Um, I think your hands need to be on your hips for a proper uh, laugh at the end. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. That was the last thing in the episode. They went, ha, 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 and well, then they cut to space, and that was it. No, I'm going to give this one to Bob. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> Yay. It may, not, it, it may not have been a full laugh on the bridge, but it was definitely close enough. No, it's, I mean, this show has never gotten that close. You're, you're right. But usually on the original series, it was like, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was so telegraphed by the music <laughs> and by everything else. But, but no, you're right. That's, that's a totally laugh on the bridge. Oh, Mr. Spock. <laughs> We're racist against exactly. you. <laughs> uh, Ro, Lauren, you're becoming more human every day. Hi. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> I love Ensign Ro. I Me do, too. too. I like how she's gradually becoming more a part of the crew. Like, mm -hmm. we've talked before about there's some episodes where she's just in the background, and that's cool. But after she went through the whole memory loss thing, it seems like she was a little more friendly. And now this, it seems like she and Jordy are kind of friends. Like, I love... Yeah, I just, I enjoy seeing her doing anything with anyone. But her gradual evolution. Like, she's not just bald in a corner, angry with her fists clenched. Like, now she's yeah. starting... Yeah. <laughs> like to... early Kira. Yeah. Starting to talk to people, starting to be their friends, starting, you know, it's cool. And never once, like, she does the whole we're dead thing. But mm. she never once disobeys Jordy or anything like that. She always defers to him. Takes yep. his orders, does what he asks, you know, and, and it's yeah. nice. Because the, the row we met last season would not have done that. No. And that's actually my good thing, Ensign Row. Oh, yeah. Well, all right, then. Ensign Row is how I spent my summer vacation. <laughs> Bob, hit me with a good thing. Um, I I think it's kind of cool that it's not just a, a what happened, you know, are they dead or what story, but that row... Since Roe and, and many other people assume that they're dead, it leads to a lot of interesting discussions. And there's a lot more personal feelings and friends talking about what they appreciate about each other. And I, I think that that human element is a, mm. a really great addition to this episode. Yeah, I like when shows can pull this off and it's it's not sort of a tired cliche, but when they do it well, where you think a character's dead. So you see how that death affects other people. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes of, of the Justice League cartoon was when they thought Superman was dead. It's a great episode. And you got to do the death of Superman thing without him actually dying. And mm -hmm. so you got to see how everyone would act when that happened. Mm. And you get that here. You get to see what would happen. And what would happen is Data does all kinds of adorable things that almost makes us all cry. Yeah. Oh, my God. Data just ugh, so, so great. Duh. And, Matt, that actually leads us nicely into your good thing. Yeah. Which I need to move up to get to. <laughs> okay. There, there's just some gorgeous scenes in this episode. The, there's a bit where Worf and Data are on the 
shuttlecraft going to the uh, Romulan ship, and they are discussing funerals. Yeah. And Data's talking about how much he he values Jordy as a friend, and you know what he wants to do, and and Worf talks about how you know death is like you know. You know, he's glad that Jordy's dead because now he's well. He, he's, no, he doesn't. He's say not he's, glad that he's no. dead, but he's you know Kling, a Klingon he, would be glad is what he says. Yeah, yeah. Worf in that scene, like you expect him to be uh, humans and their death rituals. Like he's got this kind of softness. He lets his guard down a little, and he's like, you know, Jordy was my friend too, and yeah, I'm sure everyone wants to honor him properly, but a Klingon would be happy to be. You know, it's yeah, it was, it's a it's a really beautiful scene. It is, yeah, and it's nice that it's not all Data doing the heavy lifting, like. Yeah. Worf kind of meets him halfway on that. I think that might but, be my also... favorite scene in the in the entire really? show. Yeah. Huh. All right. Yep. And when they when they reappear at at the at the memorial service, yeah. there's this bit where you know Data sort of helps them up, and then everyone's gathering around and hugging them and stuff. Mm-hmm. And Jordy sort of goes over to Data, who's just watching. Yep. And he sort of pats him on the shoulder, and it's I I almost teared up. Yep. No, there were a couple of moments like that for me. Because, like, here's a guy who doesn't yeah. feel emotions, who's really, really happy his friend's not dead. Yep. Yeah. Well, and he talks about, I think it's in that Worf scene, he talks about not knowing what friendship was until Jordy showed him. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Jordy was the first person he met who didn't treat him differently. He just yeah. treated him like a human. Accept you for who you are. Yeah. And it's nice. And we've talked about way early on, since these guys became friends, probably the Sherlock Holmes episode was the first big one. Mm-hmm. How much we love that relationship, how much we're really invested in that friendship. And mm-hmm. yeah. it's really great to see that play out here. Instead of them just hanging out, you really get a nice exploration of that dynamic. And it's just great. Yeah. And seeing Data, like, exploring all the different options and then deciding to do this sort of party. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. They sort of go for the Irish wig. Yeah. And, and... Which is an odd choice for Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> But they walk in, ten, you know, there's that nice walk in 10 forward, and then there's, like, Dixieland music playing. And Jordy's like, oh, for just a second. He's like, of course. Yep. This is yep. great. Thank you, Data. Of course. Yeah, I love, why not? Yep. And, uh, and of course, Riker walks in and immediately picks up a trombone, because he's Riker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Later on, he'll, uh, he'll roam around looking for canapes, but for now. <laughs> there's a bit, and I can't remember which of these two episodes. I think it was this one. Where Picard's looking over Data's shoulder, and he leans in and he puts his leg up on the Riker ottoman over there. Mm. And, see, I can put my leg up, too. <laughs> what do you think of that? <laughs> it's just a nice little moment. Ro has this great scene when she walks into the ready room, and uh, Riker walks out, and she's just looking at Picard. And she's like, even when you can't see me, I am completely intimidated by you. Yep. Yeah. And I hope I made you proud. And it's one of those, like... Everybody thinks Summing that. up everything everyone thinks about Picard. Yep. Yeah. I hope I didn't disappoint you, Dad. <laughs> yep. But it was it was a really sweet scene because we know her, her arc when she started on the ship. He was like, I'm going to take a chance on you, but you're a loose cannon, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I'll have your badge, McLeod. Look, she might not follow the rules, but she gets results. <laughs> Damn it. What about the rights of that little girl? <laughs> it's just a nice, It's it's, I mean, not quite a payoff because she'll still be around. Yeah. But it's a nice sort of continuation of that, you know, you believed in me and I was really starting to find a place where I fit in and, you know, I'm sorry that's over because, you know, I hope you're proud of me. Yeah. Had a pretty good gig going there. Yeah. Um, so, Matt, how about your bad thing? I feel like it was a really 
like it was a really tragic missed opportunity not to have uh, Chief O'Brien in this episode. Um, Bob talks about in his summary that uh, uh, it's <laughs> that if if Chief O'Brien had been there, nothing they never it never would have happened. Quite probably, yeah. yes. But I love the like we just have this random woman who everyone calls Chief. Mm. Who has not earned being chief. Well, I assume she <laughs> rose through the ranks of the enlisted, you know, so forth and became chief. <laughs> Whatever. All right. First of all, he should be at Jordy's funeral. He was Jordy's friend. Secondly, do you imagine the emotional weight of Chief O'Brien believing he's killed two crew members who are also very, like, his friends? Well, that I agree with. However, I think it would have added way too much. There was a lot going on already. Yeah. I think the whole plot of O'Brien, because that would be a whole show in itself almost. Yeah. Which would have been great, but I think it would A have, show I want to watch. But it would have taken too much away from Jordy and Roe and then yeah, Data probably. And, you know, all that. Yeah. But that, still, regrets. That could yeah. have been a whole separate episode. I have episode. a few, and then again, yeah, too few to mention. Well, fair enough. <laughs> um, Bob, how about you? Bad thing. Uh, bad thing. Uh... This is totally nitpicky, but the the lack of regard for even in Star Trek universe physics. Why why don't they float through the floor, or how can they travel in the shuttlecraft, or how do they breathe the air that's not in phase with them? It's uh, I don't know. It's it's stupid nitpicky stuff, but that kind of mm. it, it kind of was something I noticed as we progressed through the episode. Yeah, I started writing that note down, and then I said, never mind, this is good drama, I don't care. It, yeah, it is, and and the, but that's the only bad thing that I could find about it. I love the episode. I honestly... There was a, oh, go ahead, Matt. There, there was a thing that interests me uh, along those lines that, like, they, when they kick that Romulan through the... Oh, and wasn't that, regardless of the logic of it, wasn't that fucking badass? <laughs> yes. Where his body's just floating away? Yep. I just wonder if he if, if he's not dead. Uh, just out there until he starves to death. <laughs> what would he be breathing though? Well, what, well, what mean, are what they are breathing they now? Breathing? Yeah, that I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like if if they can't touch anything, then you know, like oxygen would be going through. I, that, there is a lot of like lack of internal consistency. You're definitely right about that, Bob. Yeah, and I honestly but... wish they could have just thrown a line of dialogue in to sort of dismiss it and move on. Well, there's all sorts of elements in the universe that are already out of phase, so there's plenty of oxygen for them to breathe or something. Sure. There you go. I know. <laughs> it, it doesn't really matter. It, you know, you're right. It does. It, mostly it's, again, internal consistency. If it all sort of happened with the same logic, that would yeah. be fine. But, yeah, they don't. But I, they don't go through the floor, but they can go through the walls. That I was love, the kind of weird thing. I love Jordy's, like, he immediately adapts to it. Yeah. Yep. And he leaves the transporter room and he realizes it's faster to go through the wall rather than go the long way around. So he just zips through the wall. Yeah. Yep. He doesn't think twice about it. It's this way. Whoop. Yep. Yeah. They both get used to it pretty quick. <laughs> well, but Jordy more than more than Roe, I think. He's just like, uh, okay, I go through the walls now. Fine. <laughs> I just, I, I love that. And the casualness of him, you know. There's a, there, I don't remember what it was, but there's one point where he just sticks his head through something and looks inside it. I love that, yeah. Yep. When they're on the uh, Romulan ship, he just sort of shoves his head into whatever computer. Yep. <laughs> Happened in here! Like I say, he just he immediately ah. adapts to the situation and just starts using it to his advantage, and it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I love Jordy. <laughs> I, I, love, I love who they chose, to, you know, the characters they basically chose to be dead in this one. I was thinking, like, because you got the central thing, as Bob pointed out. You got 
the the more spiritual person starting to question mm-hmm. their beliefs, and then you got the science person who says, "No, we're not dead. We're not." De- I love Jordy's. Uh, what am I? A blind ghost with clothes? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a great. Why would I still have my visor? How cruel would God be? <laughs> what? So uh, what? I I get to heaven and I don't get my eyes back. Fuck you. Come on. <laughs> um, but I mean that dynamic. I, I guess maybe Worf would have worked, but I can't think of anyone but Roe that really would have. Yeah, made the whole spiritual side of things work because nobody else. Yeah. Well, I mean, none of the humans are religious, you know. As far like, as we know, they could have retrofitted that, I suppose. But I suppose, yeah. but I don't, you know. No, I don't want that either. Um, but no, I think these two characters are great, and again, uh, giving Ensign Rose something to do, I always enjoy. Yeah, I just yeah. I love her, and her her headband is cute too. Yeah. Yes, it is. Oh, and related to Ensign Rowe, I also really love there's like kind of this little thread going through where she's eavesdropping on conversations okay. between I Riker and Picard. And, and yeah. uh, Riker wants to say something during the service, and mm-hmm. Picard assumes, oh, yes, you've known Jordy you know, longer than any of us. He's like, well, I was actually thinking Ensign Rowe. And she's mm-hmm. like, what? What? What are you going to say about me? <laughs> Come on. And that comes up a few more times. Yeah. Wait, what are you going to say? <laughs> And I also like that we never find out because Star Trek nope. often just hands us things. Yeah. It doesn't always like to, you know, do that thing where you don't find out. And it was absolutely no surprise when the writing credit came up and it was Ron Moore because this is such like a quintessential, you know, exploring what the characters are about. Yeah. It absolutely is. I think I think Brandon Braga could really take a few lessons from this because this is a ghost episode. Mm-hmm. This is an afterlife episode. But it's not stupid. Yeah. <laughs> it works perfectly within the logic that Trek's already set up. And you Exactly. You never come up with some stupid technobabble you've never heard before. I love a story mm-hmm. that uses the world we've already set up. You know what cloaking is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Phasing is just one more jump beyond that. It's not crazy. Right. And ha- didn't... Like, wasn't there an episode about... About a Klingon ship? Like, they talk about it, and no, they I talk about remember Klingon if it was an actual episode or not. season six or seven, there's the, the Pegasus, which is the ship, the Federation right. ship that they did the same, uh, same experiment test. Yeah, but I'm sure in, like, season two or three, there was, a like, a Klingon ship that, you know, was hiding in a planet or something. Mm, I don't think so. You might be right, I don't know, but maybe I don't I'm insane. So. They, I mean, they, he well, references that in this episode. He, he mentions it as something that they know in-world. But right. I, I don't know if we actually saw that in an episode. Mm. No, I just, I took this as the first appearance of it and sort of an extrapolation of cloaking technology. Right. Right. I mean, it makes sense. It does. Or it makes as much sense as an invisible ship does, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But again, I like, again, I like using the tools that are already there and not having to invent new science fiction to make it work. Mm. Ron Moore's good at that. There's a bit in Deep Space Nine where they come up with these self-replicating cloaked minds. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Okay, all that technology was already there, and somebody came up with a cool new way to use it. Yeah. Like, every time someone destroys a mine, two more get replicated. Mm. And it's like, oh, neat. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. We've got a plan for cleaning those up later, Starfleet. (laughs) (laughs) You jerks. But this is the kind of thing that Brandon Braga often tries to do, and he fails at. Mm -hmm. It's that sort of pseudo-magic kind of, you know, thing. And it focuses way more on the characters than it does on how they got there. Yeah. yeah, and it just—I think it's done really well. Yeah, I love this episode. Yeah, is, is that why you chose it, or did you just yeah choose yep. one? Like, nope. is this particularly a, a favorite of yours? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Very definitely nice. in my top ten. Because huh. it's it's I don't know it's a good sci-fi story despite my nitpicky observations <laughs> and it's yeah. and it's fun 
So it's yeah, yep. yeah. It's fun, but it's also sort of you know thought provoking and you yeah. know sort of touching. Like it's got it's got a it's lot. It's a of little. Stuff. There's a little bit of melancholy to it too. It really is, especially yeah. with Data. Mm-hmm. Like everybody misses Jordy. A couple of people miss Ensign Row, I suppose. Yep. <laughs> and I'm not. I mean, you know, again, Riker. I I love her, but yeah, but I mean that also works within the show. You know, yeah. like no, she's gradually like these, making friends. Everyone but... on everyone on this ship knows Jordy. Yep. He's been there for five, like, you know, five plus years. Ensign Rose only been around, what, a couple of months? No, she's been there since season, no, maybe she showed up this season. Yeah, she did. Yeah, beginning of the season. So, yeah, six months, true. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Okay, my bad thing. Mm. The Romulans on the other ship, I thought it was really cool that the Romulans were in trouble, the Federation came to help, and that should have been it. Yeah, every I now the and exact then, same thing. Every now and then a Romulan shouldn't be a jerk that's trying to sabotage the <laughs> Enterprise. Just once. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I love like at the beginning of the episode when they're helping them, the Romulans are just like, okay, well, our captain's dead, so yeah, yeah, and they accept we are their help. More than happy to help you guys out. Really, yeah. they're like, okay, we don't want you going over there where the cloak drive is, but otherwise, you know, help us, thank you. And you know, Starfleet's like, yeah, well, we don't want you guys having you know access to our good computers. Well, yeah, otherwise... Worf has a great scene where he's like, uh. We're giving them a computer. Can we give them like a I don't know a Vic twenty or like <laughs> Can a... give them a Commodore sixty four? Yeah, because I don't want to give them. And, and Riker's like, yeah, good idea. No, that's <laughs> that would <fine>. be acceptable. <laughs> but then suddenly they're going to blow up the Enterprise yeah. for no good reason. No, because yeah. they're Romulans. I was, like, I... I don't know. It seemed like a cheap way to ratchet up the tension and give them some yeah. sort of a deadline for getting unfazed. Where I thought the 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 Romulan guy was a nice escalation. Because they're running he around, they're trying to anything. figure things out. Well, sure, he, he he followed was... them over to the Enterprise. He pointed a phaser at her. Jordy kicked him out into space, and now they have his phaser. That was yeah, it. but that yep. was that was an escalation of the danger. They had <laughs> nothing like nothing moving them along until they, they realized, oh shit, this guy can see us. And I thought it was a great uh... reveal. Where he's sitting in the yeah. chair for almost an oh, entire yeah. act. Oh, yeah, and then he just stands up and walks to the table. I love yeah. that. How did he sit in a chair and then walk through the table? Damn it. <laughs> Stop it. Stop. You're on the wrong he show for this. He did duty door. <laughs> I don't understand. You want, you want you the... You cannot uh, change the rules of physics. You want the post-atomic nitpicker show. <laughs> which is Matt's way of saying alternate titles, apparently. I'm pretty sure the post-atomic nitpicker show actually exists. Quite probably. <laughs> that dude's got to have a uh, podcast by this point, right? I I don't know. I'm pretty sure we are the only Star Trek podcast on the internet, and I oh, don't yeah. even need to check. I just assume that's true. Yep. I did all sorts of searches, and I didn't find anything. Well, there you go. I, re- I wrote in star, and then I gave up. <laughs> <laughs> and autocomplete said search, which is weird, because that show's been off for years. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big Ed McMahon fan, so, you know. <laughs> well, who is it? Really, though, the Romulans, they, I, one time, I get that they're duplicitous. I get that they often, you know, have other plans inside other plans. But just once, could yeah. they not be dicks? <laughs> also, Matt and I talked about this not too long ago. The Romulans have effectively almost disappeared as as villain. Mm-hmm. Last time we saw them this season was the season opener. No, no, I'm sorry, in the Spock episode. Oh. Which, well, okay. Sila. Putting, Putting Sela aside, there were, you know, there was a there was a senator, there was some guy that Spock was dealing with. Like there was some okay Romulan stuff. Right. But then that's it. They went away for like fifteen episodes. What this is our big threat and they're never around. Hmm. I think next season they're around once or twice. Like they they should be this big omnipresent threat and they're just 
not. Yeah, wasn't it originally they wanted to make them kind of, instead of the Klingons, since the Klingons are now our friends, right. they were going to have the Romulans yeah. as the big bad guys? And yeah, then... Matt, Matt and I talked about that. Well, we will talk about this in the supplemental you guys haven't heard <laughs> we yet. We will have talking yes. about this. Right. <laughs> We've recorded it, but we haven't posted it yet. Yeah, we know about it. Right. Maybe you never will. About how the Romulans <laughs> were set up at the end of season one. Like, here we are, we're back, we're the big deal, and then nothing ever comes of it. Mm -hmm. Hey, guess what? Turns out we're not the big deal. Nope. Nobody's the big deal, as a matter of fact. Yep. The Borg a little bit, but that's all. But, the, I mean, how many times were the Klingons in the original series? Was it really that many? No, but every, really, no. every time they showed up, it was a really big deal. Mm. Okay. Well, almost. The Romulans can't say the same on TNG. No. No, that's I mean, true. They, they weren't a really big deal in this one, or in several others, but I don't know. Oh, okay, here's a big thing. Troy did not sense them. Oh, right. They're right there. Useless. How did she not, like, their... Their thoughts were out of phase. What? Yeah, okay. <laughs> just... My thoughts pass through your thoughts. I, I, she's worked with the one guy for five years. The other one sits in front of her all day. How could ah, she? She tried to sense them, but it just turned into her wandering around the ship going, where are you? <laughs> but really, she was just talking about chocolate. Nice callback, man. <clears throat> yes. Where are you, chocolate? To the last time I was on the show. Oh, yes. Yeah, so it, was it was, too. Ha! <laughs> so it was. Uh, I think that's all I got. Yeah. I think so. I want a I want a uh, funeral like that though. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I probably won't be the first person to get to your corpse, but I'll I'll do my best. <laughs> All right. So so let it be written. This is the official record. I oh, want God. a funeral like this. Is is everything else we say on the show official record because uh I oh thought boy. so. Everything <laughs> Matt, on the internet exists everywhere forever, right? So I, that, that's true. better than a notary. Well, the Library of Congress is holding our tweets. Yeah. So oh no. That'll come in handy. Yeah. So I, I assume that podcasts must go into some kind of, I don't know, time capsule? No, they go into a barrel. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> Which then goes over Niagara Falls. And then you shoot them. Right. Yep. Well, sometimes, as my wife likes to say, that barrel gets full of fish and you just got to shoot some. Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Where is this barrel? I don't know. Going over Niagara Falls, I suppose. Uh oh. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, oh, the the one final thing was um, as they as they're chasing the Romulan through the ship, uh, they they run through various quarters. They got a woman in a towel. They got a muscle dude doing push ups. <laughs> yep. It was just it was very for a brief moment. It was very eighties. I just got turned invisible. Wacky comedy. <laughs> Reminded me a lot of that scene at the end of Ferris Bueller. Yep, actually, a little bit of that. Yep. A little bit of zapped with uh, Scott Baio. A little mm -hmm. bit of hollow man. Uh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> Everyone's favorite invisible rapist. <laughs> Wait, but, no, it was just it was cool that they weren't just running through Riker's quarters and Worf's quarters. Like they they tried to show, hey, other people live on the ship. Yeah. Yep. I like strange that. people who feed each other. We get, I think that was the, the the one that I not very politically correctly call Ensign Brown Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> With her white boyfriend. So, uh, yep. take that thing that was no longer taboo in the 90s. <laughs> yep. All right. Any any last words, final thoughts, you guys? Uh, nope. No, then. No. All right. Bob, why don't you say your quote? Or have <laughs> them say it. How about that? 
I'll, I'll probably have them say it because they'll do it better. All right. You mean we're cloaked? Not just cloaked, phased. Cloaked? Uh, I believe in you, Bob. <laughs> of course it's that quote. Because <laughs> why wouldn't it be? Yeah. Yep. At, at the time when Star Trek Six came out, I think I had seen all of three movies of Star Trek and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And one of them was Star Trek Five, uh-huh. which barely. I'm even so counted. sorry. Yeah, my impression was that Chekhov was the guy who said the worst lines always, <laughs> which is true. Yeah, Guess you were not coming wrong. To dinner, and uh, if shoe fits, wear it. <laughs> and there, so there was a lot of walking around saying those terrible lines as a joke. And so uh, this was when uh, uh, Bob and Famous Mark and I lived in an apartment together for a while. Oh yeah, we just walked right. around going cloaked. <laughs> and then one of us would go, cloaked clones? <laughs> cloaked clone clowns? Yeah, and it would just gradually get stupider and stupider. That's, that's how things work. <laughs> Matt, that's how, you, See, that... that's how you and I have built many a dumb joke. Just oh, absolutely. Escalating the retardedness. <laughs> mm-hmm. We've built entire characters based on that. We sure have. Mm-hmm. We've built a podcasting empire. Um, I don't know if it's an empire just yet. <laughs> it's an empire. It's like a principality. <laughs> Maybe like a commonwealth. A fiefdom? Yes, a fiefdom. Close Thank commonwealth? You. But it's a fiefdom with a peep. Fiefdom. A, a fiefdom. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, this is it. This is the last pair of episodes. We're going to have a couple of supplementals for you. Woo! Oh, boy. Then, yep. then we're doing our thing. We are... Our thing. One last time, I'm going to tell you about this thing. It's a live thing. We're doing a live thing at the Emerald City Comic Con here in Seattle at the Washington Convention Center. This is an official convention-endorsed panel. We yep. are on the Holy website. Shit. We are... What's that? Holy shit. Did you not know yeah, that? I know. I, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. it's. Um, we're in the program. We're on the website. It is Sunday, March 2nd in room 2AB at 2 o'clock. Uh we're we're all official now. They they looked at our proposal and they said, "Yes, we wow. want you." And we said, "Uh, oh shit." <laughs> it's like, "Really? Are you sure?" <laughs> so, the next pair of episodes, the last two of uh season 5, which are The Inner Light and Time Zero Part 1, we will be mm. discussing there live in front of whoever we can muster to get in that room, which will be a lot of people. We'll have our uh we'll have our minions out on the floor with sandwich boards ringing bells, yes. maybe a dwarf ringing yep. a bell. <laughs> <laughs> Several dwarves ringing bells. Maybe I'll and cut off find the right dwarf. I'll cut off somebody at the knees just to make them a dwarf. <laughs> and a live appearance go. of uh, Patrick Stewart with a flute. Listen, I have put this word out before. If if anyone can get Sir Patrick Stewart in that room with us, I will give you one American dollar. Yep. And I will give you one Canadian tuning. Mm. That's two American what? dollars or two? No, I don't know what that is. So it's like a dollar thirty-seven American. Yeah. How do you know that? I'm, you know, I'm. You know, I'm a nerd. I don't know why he knows, but I do believe he knows. And why did they stand on the floor? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. Always a pleasure. Thank uh, you. We will see you there at our live show. Hopefully, we will indeed. Yes. You'll be helping us. Uh, I will. I will push some buttons, play things, and hopefully shoot some video. Woo! That'll be nice. We can show the nice people our first big public appearance. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, wish us luck, folks, because we are terrified but delighted at the same time. We're yes. What, what would you call that, Matt? Delighted and terrified. We're terrified. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So, take us out, Mister Matt. See ya, folks. <laughs> <laughs>
Did you forget there were more than one of them? <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun. <laughs>